new on Curiosity Stream. I'm James Burke. I'm going to take you on a journey through time. James Burke's visionary series returns, reimagined for our time. Now, this is all uncharted territory. The Washington Post hails Burke as one of the most intriguing minds in the Western world. The New York Times raves he careens from one great moment in history to another. Where do we want to go from here? Experience all new connections. So what's the next connection? With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Welcome into the Sotastic.com MMA strategy shows. We're here to get you ready for UFC 276, which goes down on Saturday night inside the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. And since it's the T-Mobile Arena, that means we've got the big 30-foot cage on Saturday night. We're going to break this one down for you here. Over the next hour, we are sponsored by Prize Picks. Talk about those Prize Picks props later on the show, as uh, I've already made some plays for Friday and Saturday over there on Prize Picks. But of course, as always, I am joined by the fighter Pete Rogers Jr. as just looking so so damn young over there, Pete. <laughs> What's up? You just had to bring it up, huh? Um, obviously, uh, yeah. You know, at least I can always know that I could go back in time. I guess. Uh, I mean, just say it, man. I mean, it, it's like you, you know, you you went and saw the youth doctor or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Every now and then, like when you start looking like Habib Nurmagomedov, you gotta. You got to chop it off and, and restart. And if, if people have not seen the latest Habib and uh, DC, DC apparently is a connoisseur of tea. I could not believe how many different versions of tea he has. Those two guys, they do videos together. It's just, it's goddamn hilarious. I'm not, and, and look, I'm not a tea guy. I, I don't know. I'm just, are you a nice tea drinker? I could I can see Tyler is. Tyler is. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not a tea guy either, um, but with all the tea that DC had, he did not have the one the English morning or whatever that Habib Nurmagomedov wanted. So uh, clearly he's uh, he's lacking in the tea department. I should clarify. Uh, pre- I am a, I should clarify. I'm a sweet tea guy. I'm not cooking <laughs> some English Earl Grey tea over there. It's not happening for me. Like I need diabetes with my tea, please. <laughs> I just, uh, now, now when my voice goes, I learned this uh, early on my radio days, green tea mm-hmm. is, is what you want to do. I can't drink some, me some green tea. Uh, of course, I was uh, always here to break this one down for you. Always got already got a super chat in there. And this is a great one. To talk about roster construction here. Uh, like, like, or appreciate you uh, hitting us up in the, super chat he says what is the right way to 150 max a big contest on DraftKings? i feel like trying to hand build all 50 would be a nightmare yes hand building 150 would be an absolute nightmare i don't know why anyone would want to do that unless I mean, like you just you have nothing else to do god bless you if you're hand building 150 <laughs> but uh as mauler says embrace the dfs chaos i do think that this is going to be a chaotic slate and one where we were talking before the stream um, where some favorites are in some great spots, but there's also plenty of leverage within the field and some underdogs that if they impose the correct game plan, they could upset the, the favorite here. So I can't wait to break it down. 
Yeah, of course, uh, the top fire tool was updated about an hour ago, so you can check out that over at stochastic.com. If you are a Stochastic Plus member, we'll tell you about a great offer we have for you if you're a new user of stochastic.com here just shortly. But Pete, uh, you know, I mean, look, when, when I think about 150 maxing, I mean, look, I, I think that when you go in the fancy cruncher, you, you got to put some groups together. And, and to me, I, I think there's got to be a group about the main event and co-main event because they are both 25 minute fights. I, I think there's got to be a group there figuring out. I, I think you got to at least have probably at least one uh, of those fires in all of your lines. That's just for me. And, and then to me, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to sit there and say, okay, what are the fights that I think have a high probability of, go, of being finished. And then I'm probably looking at another group of fights. That I believe we've got a, a, you know, a high chance of some takedowns happening. Cause especially, and of course that question being about DraftKings of, you know, those takedowns control times where you can really rack up some points. Those are some kinds of things to think about. I mean, look, you know, does Sean Strickland go to the takedown route? We'll talk about that momentarily. You listened to him yesterday, the media day doesn't really make the case that it sounds like he believes uh i think his his line was he believes he can knock out okay i'm paraphrasing what he said because there was a lot of expletives in his quote but basically saying that he he believes he can knock out any glory kickboxer i don't know if that's a, a smart game plan but uh sean strickland uh you know he, he says some crazy stuff yeah he's a character for sure so i, I would agree with you um that a five-round fight making it into the optimal lineup is going to be pretty likely I do feel like the co-main event is more DFS tailored than the main event because we have seen Israel Adesanya become patient at times and take his time and methodically pick apart his opponents. I think the co-main event between Alexander Volkanovsky, Max Holloway, there's a lot on the line and there's a lot of volume on the line as well. We've seen takedowns, we've seen leg kicks, we've seen just high striking affairs in close competitive matchups. So for me, I prioritize the co-main event over the main event and then I start looking at some of the other um, the other fights that I view with, with such volatility, uh, the, the Sean Strickland fight, the Alex Pajeda fight, uh, we'll get into more of them, but ones that I feel that are going to end inside the distance are ones that I want to create a group on, uh, using stochastic.com's tools over there. You combine everything. It's going to be a recipe for success. Another thing I would say is, and, and I do this when I'm looking at our top fire tool is looking at the fires that we are pro, uh, projecting to have less than 20% ownership. Who are those fighters that potentially are boom type plays to where if they go out there and win, you know, the likely that they have a good chance of scoring over hundred points. That's something to kind of look into it. Let's get uh, right into this main event. Izzy taking on Canier. Of course, so this is a fight that Izzy has been talked about about three years now. Canier has been on his radar 9,400 over on DraftKings for Izzy 6,800 for Jared Canier. Of course, uh, we do not have the FanDuel salaries as the time of doing this show. Uh, so, of course, we'll talk more about those FanDuel salaries. Maybe they come out here later on the show. But we'll definitely be talking about them on Saturday for Live Before Lock. And, uh, you know, we talked about it on the Odd Shopper video. I really feel like a key to this matchup uh, on the Canadier side is he needs to make this a dirty fight. He has got to cut inside to that range on Izzy, not allow this to be at, at a, a distance type fight, going out there, making this dirty and, and sitting there getting Izzy up against the fence, but also utilizing a kicking game to attack the legs of Izzy, but then also trying to eliminate the kicking game from Izzy. What's your take, Pete? Yeah, I mean, I'm interested in this fight for sure. And I feel like naturally everybody's, everybody's going to be flocking towards Israel Adesanya. And I think rightfully so. Uh, um, he's clearly the A side. He's one of the best strikers 
the UFC and MMA has ever seen. Truthfully, uh, he's so talented. He has solid volume, excellent sniping ability where he's able to just find the openings and take advantage of it. His patience too, and his fight IQ. So when you bring all of that together, you have a championship caliber fighter. And sometimes a, a fighter is lacking in one department or another. The only blemish on Adesanya's career that we can really look and say, wow, he looked exposed in that fight was the, the Jan Blahovich fight where he was taken down by a much larger foe and, co and controlled on the mat. And Jan Blahovich during his reign, he's a monster, right? Like he has power and he has good takedowns and really good jujitsu when he's on top. So I thought that that was an interesting fight and I didn't necessarily see that happening, but that's what happens when fighters are willing to step up and go into, you know, outside their, their weight classes. Now in this matchup against Jared Cannonier, I just think that the, the slight reach, the speed advantage, the height advantage for Adesanya is just going to be a little too much. Um, and, and his footwork as well. Like if Cannonier goes out there and starts burying leg kicks, I feel like that's a great way to start trying to chop at the tree. Both guys can, can bury leg kicks and hurt their opponents. But for the most part, I think Cannonier just needs to land one big shot. That's really the only way I see him beating Israel Adesanya. I don't see him being the better striker for 25 minutes. I don't see him dominating Adesanya. Um, if he closes the gap and he gets Adesanya against the cage, you would think that he's the stronger of the two. But Israel Adesanya is a part of an amazing camp of city kickboxing, mm -hmm. and they are trained in all areas of the fight. So Adesanya, like he even mentioned, submissions not out of the realm of possibility. I think it's a stretch, but I do think that he can threaten in all areas. So I highly favor Israel Adesanya. It's just for DraftKings, does he pay off? All comes down to the type of fight that these guys get into. If it's a methodical fight, I say no. And I'm okay with getting a little underweight to it because it's a hefty price tag at 9,400, especially for a guy that hasn't found that many finishes inside the UFC. But I think he might get back to his finishing ways this week, Jason. I mean, look, Canier, I do not mind him as a fun play. You mentioned about the power that he does have. You know, one of the things that I love about that city kickboxing team is just how loose the, the, the AR is a team. I don't know if you saw episode one of Embedded this week where Izzy there has rented a house in Vegas mm. and um, Eugene, his head coach, goes, hey, man, we got a stripper room. And they had a, like a, a mannequin and just to scare the crap out of Izzy. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I know. I mean, they're, they have a great chemistry and that's the main thing about a team is uh, you can, you can have some of the best guys in the room, but if they don't click with each other, I feel like you're not going to be able to scratch the surface of your potential. Like, uh, you know, you can get better in the gym, but outside the gym, when you see guys hanging out and just continuing that chemistry, kind of like Darren Till and Hamzat Shemaev. Yeah, they're great in the training room, but now that they become great friends, they, they can also uh, you know, push each other to, to other limits. So regardless, I am big on city kickboxing. And I think they're a powerhouse team in 2022. Of course, appreciate everyone tuning in for the strategy show. Be sure to smash that thumbs up button. That does help us a lot as well. Hit that notification bell, subscribe to the channel. If you're watching this video after the fact, leave a comment below myself and Pete will uh, we'll respond to those comments. So we always appreciate the comments we get here on the strategy show. And of course, if you are a, not a stochastic plus member, and you want to get a little peek what's behind the paywall. It says free premium data and tools here on Thursday is MLB player projections. Be sure to check out that. Of course, later on today, 
Wednesday, 4 o'clock Eastern time. You got the MLB Deeper Dive. Of course, a little bit for us was a strategy show. So if you're looking for some MLB content, we have got you covered right here at Stochastic.com and right here on our YouTube channel. Let's move over to the co-main event. It's the trilogy matchup between Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway. 9,000 for Alexander Volkanovsky, 7,200 for Max Holloway. And so me and Pete were texting about this earlier this week. And before I started kind of taking a deep dive into the, the DFS aspect of this fight, when I was thinking about the first two fights, I had just thought Max Holloway scored way more points than he actually did. That was the one that kind of uh, stuck out to me. But now the fact that it's a third fight, we've seen these two guys now fight for 10 minutes in the second match. And we did see Volkanovsky go to the takedown. Well, I thought Volkanovsky won the first fight. Second fight, I gave a slight edge to Max Holloway. I'm just hoping from the divisional aspect that we just get some clarity between these two guys, that we have a, a definite winner here on Saturday night. I mean, look, I think the likelihood is... We're probably going another five rounds on Saturday between these two guys. Probably going to be a very close fight. And this is a fight that I'm really going to be watching ownership projections on because if Volkanovsky's ownership is not as high as I think it should be, he could be a very interesting play when we talk about the 9,000 fighters. Yeah, I mean, I'm really interested in this fight. And this is a priority fight for me, as I mentioned before. And I think the price tag on Max Holloway is too cheap, regardless of him losing in both attempts against Volkanovski. And I also, I just think that they have so much potential uh, given the landscape of this slate and how much is at stake in this matchup, right? We already know that they're going to bring a high volume. Uh, We know that Volkanovski can get takedowns. We know that Volkanovski has the, uh, has, he he can be so dominant at times, right? As evidenced in the Chansung Jung fight, but in the Brian Ortega fight, he was put in some terrible positions and we saw that that heart of his on display. So this is a really, really competitive fight. And naturally I'm going to get to a ton of Max Holloway just because I think he's one of the best pump plays on the entire slate. 7,200. You're talking about a guy who just lost via split decision against Alex Volkanovsky. So um, I just love the fight in general. I actually, if from a picking standpoint, I'm going to be picking Max Holloway, but for DraftKings, I don't hate the Volkanovsky just kind of solidifying his status as one of the best featherweights of all time. It's just, we've seen it twice already. Would it surprise you if we, these guys fight five times? It really wouldn't surprise me. Well, look, if Max Holloway wins on Saturday night, if you're Volk, you got to get the fourth fight. He's right. already given the, you know, two fights here. I mean, look, in terms of cash, to me, it's very hard to get away from Max Holloway 7,200. You bring up a great point. To me, the salaries are off. Max Holloway should be more expensive than what he was. You know, in terms of GPPs, I'm just going to – I'll throw the cat out of the bag here. I've been going back and forth this all week. Straight up fight pick, I'm going to take Alexander Volkanovsky. Okay. I just think the the takedown upside that he has now. We did see in Max's last fight against Jair Rodriguez, he did, you know, utilize takedowns. I mean, the thing is, is – you know, what can Max do? Also, what does Max look like on the scale? We know he does cut a lot of weight to get down to 145 pounds. But to me, I'm going to really be paying particular attention to ownership. And one of the, the odd stats to me about this fight is while Max Holloway is a much taller fighter, 5'11 versus 5'6, he actually has a two-inch reach disadvantage in this one, which is just one of those crazy stats. Yeah, definitely. It's it's. It's an intriguing fight, and that's why they, the UFC decided to go ahead with it because Max Holloway is beating everybody outside of Alex Volkanovsky. And, you know, 
Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. I, I'm a big Holloway guy. Like, I absolutely love Holloway. So from like a picking standpoint, I'm completely biased. From a DraftKings standpoint, I'm going to be more dependent on the ownership and trying to get some leverage on the field and figure out what they're doing. From a stacking perspective, we have seen odd fights make it into the optimal lineup if you stacked it. Like the Yuri Prohoshka glover Teixeira fight, we didn't think that that was going to go 25 minutes or close to 25 minutes. And there was so much chaos and action in that fight that if you stacked that bout, you actually were going to... Uh, you know, it, it allowed you a ton of flexibility and also ensured you, you don't really care what happens in the fight. It's a violence play. You just want tons of chaotic things to happen and it will uh, lead to a high fantasy score. I don't hate a stack of this fight, Jason, truthfully. Yeah. I really don't, especially if uh, Volkanovsky goes more to the takedown well and we see uh, Holloway being a little bit more accurate. He threw a ton in his previous fights against him, but if he lands at a more accurate clip, we could see a higher, uh, higher DFS score from him. Yeah, I know Ryan and Samuel both asking about a stacking situation. I mean, look, I don't if you were going to stack a fight on this card, this would be the fight to me to stack yes. just because of what it can bring. And, and we'll see what happens there. Let's move on. Next up, we got a middleweight matchup. And of course, uh, this has got number one contender on it as you got Strickland taking on Alex here and uh, Sean Strickland as he uh, looking at his DraftKings salary here of 8,300 or excuse me, Strickland 7,900. Alex on the other side, 8,300. Of course, uh, we all know the history that Alex and Izzy have from their kickboxing days. And of course, Alex, one of the main training partners for Glover Teixeira has been working on, on the grappling side of this equation. Sean yesterday, he threw all the indications out there that he's going to sit there and have a kickboxing matchup. Part of me believes him because part yeah. of me thinks he's that crazy bastard that will do that. Yeah. But then the fact that he's been working down an American top team in preparation for this one leads me to think of there's got to be someone in that camp that's going, Sean, you have the ability to secure rounds just by utilizing a takedown. We saw uh, Alex get taken down two times in, in his last matchup. And look, I just I don't think it's a smart game plan to say, hey, let me go out there and uh, have a kickboxing matchup with a guy who that is what he does. I mean, is Sean smart? And, you know, that's a that's up to, for debate. And uh, his fight IQ and his general IQ is always up for debate because he's such an odd character, but he's super skilled, right? And he's clearly the, the better MMA fighter of the two. There's no doubt about it. From a skill standpoint, like of who checks more boxes in MMA, it's Sean Strickland. The issue is being lulled into a striking affair with one of the best strikers to enter into the octagon similar to Israel Adesanya. And guess what? Alex Bahia has knocked out Israel Adesanya. And I know that's like the narrative all week is that this is the setup fight for the eventual rematch of Alex Pereira against Israel Adesanya, this time in the sport of MMA. Now, could Sean Strickland spoil the UFC plans? Absolutely. And I think he has the skills to do so. My issue is like, if I go back and I check out his fights, the Jack Hermanson fight, a split decision against Jack Hermanson, was, which was primarily on the feet at times, that doesn't bode well to, to stand and trade against Alex Pereira. Um, a decision win over Christoph Jocko, primarily a striking affair 
not really the best, you know, score or the best uh, performance if, if you want to compare that. But on the flip side, Alex Pereira can get controlled at times as evidence against Andreas Mihalidis and Bruno Silva. In that fight, a lot of people thought Pereira, including myself, he'd just go out there and get another quick finish. And it was a war at times. So this is what I'm going to do with this fight, right? Nobody really knows what type of game plan Sean Strickland's going to have. You need to have a group set where you get to one of these guys, because if Sean Strickland imposes the correct game plan, he should win this fight. He could take him down. He could ragdoll him for 15 minutes. He could even submit him and it wouldn't surprise me. If that doesn't happen on the feet, I'm expecting it to be competitive until Pereira lands a big shot and walks away with a KO victory. So for me, I'm kind of taking the bias out of it, and I'm just going to let my lineups do their thing as I create the group on stochastic.fantasycruncher.com. Getting to one of these guys, I view this fight with such high regard, and I feel like it's going to be very, very important for the DFS slate. I mentioned a little earlier that we got a great promo going on for you right now. If you're a new user of Stochastic Plus, you can get 50% off your first month. All you got to do is use that promo code MMA Strategy Show, all word. All caps, MMA Strategy Show, 50% off your first month of Stochastic Plus Platinum. Of course, uh, take advantage of all the great tools and content we have over at Stochastic.com. And we're talking about, as we're talking about the UFC, that top fire tool, it's what I have up on my screen. What I love to do is, you know, you can export it right there in Excel and you can sort it whichever way you want to sort it at. And of course, I'm looking at ownership. I'm looking at salary projection, top six percentage greater uh, the probability of going over 100 points. It's a great tool that we have over there. As I mentioned, if you're a new user of Stochastic Plus, you can get a Stochastic Plus Platinum Pass, 50% off your first month. Take advantage of that offer. It's tremendous, great tools that all of us use over here at Stochastic.com as I'm developing all of my lineups for Saturday's UFC. I'm using that top fire tool to get me ready. And of course, I'll be putting in my UFC pro plays here later on today. Uh, those will probably be up sometime later on tonight when I uh, submit mine in. Because as I always say, I got to hear what my guy Pete Rogers Jr. has to say about these fights. And maybe he sways me one way or the other. Or hell, who knows? Maybe I sway him one way or the other in some of Absolutely. these fights. Uh, let's move on to the next matchup. We got Robbie Lawler taking on Brian Barbarina, 8,500 for. Robbie Lawler, 7,700 here for Brian Barbarina. And one of the things as I was over there, uh, over at Fight Metric and looking at some of the stats with this fight, and the thing that really uh, you know sticks out to me is you, you look at Brian Barbarina, 5.61 strikes land per minute, 3.73 over there for Robbie Lawler, but strikes absorbed, 4.83 for Brian Barbarina. And, and we're going to talk about uh, Robbie Lawler and price picks a little bit later on the show. But I, I really like Robbie Lawler in this fight just because I just I, I think that look, Brian Barbarina, we there's a reason they call him Bam Bam. You know, the question is, can he fight a, a more tactical fight the way I think that Robbie Lawler is gonna fight him? Yeah, I mean, this is not a priority, but that definitely a fight that I want some exposure to, uh, mainly because of Robbie Lawler and Brian Barbarina. They're not shells of themselves in 2022, but they're definitely not at the peak of their career. And I think that they've both taken a ton of damage throughout their career. And uh, Brian Barbarina has been dropped numerous times inside the UFC, once against Jason Witt, once against Randy Brown, once against Vicente Luque. Um, and then if you really go back and you just look at Robbie Lawler, Lawler's been in some wars. Besides being dropped against Tyron Woodley, it's just a ton of accumulation of strikes and crazy amounts of damage. So um, 
I, I know that the win over Nick Diaz was a solid win, but I didn't think that either one of these guys looked, you know, incredible in 2022. I am favoring Robbie Lawler just because of the, the less defensive you know, the, the less defensive mistakes that where Brian Barbarina just makes so many mistakes. And I feel like Robbie can capitalize. Um, I, I think that Robbie in this fight being the Southpaw with championship experience, he can hurt him on the feet, take advantage of a, of a bad situation. Um, and whereas Brian Barbarina, so many injuries over the course of his career, it's a, again, it's a, it's a group where I'm not necessarily making a priority, but I think that the mid range of Robbie Lawler's in a sneaky spot, just because of where's the durability of Brian Barbarina at right now, a split decision over Matt Brown. Okay. That's a solid win score 96 for Bar uh, Barbarina, a unanimous decision over Darren Weeks scoring 79. Typically, you know, if Barbarina is facing a, a strong wrestler, that's, that's a very difficult matchup for him, but I feel like he might be met with, with a, a, a true adversary here in the striking department. And uh, I'm going to be favoring Robbie Lawler. I think that the mid range is, is nice. Yeah, I favor Robbie Lawler in this matchup as well. By the way, I mentioned a question uh, about the previous fight uh, that we got over in the YouTube chat saying, is Strickland versus Preheya fight a must-have on DK? Interesting question. Mm. I, I, would probably, I would probably lean more yes than I would no, but yeah. here would be my only concern is what happens if Sean Strickland does not go for takedowns and we see more of a a tactical low volume type fight. That would be my only concern about saying it's a must have. Yeah, and in full transparency, I didn't think that Pereira, you know, has looked all that great inside the UFC. I mean, his his performance up until the knockout against Andres Mihalidis, he didn't look great, and it was like, oh man, is this a busted prospect? Um, and then his performance against Bruno Silva, everybody thinks that he's going to go out there and just get a quick finish, and it didn't happen. This is a massive step up of competition. Let's let's be serious. Like it's a massive step up of competition in MMA for Pereira to be going up against Sean Strickland at this stage of the game. But uh, again, I'm going to lean more yes that it's going to be uh, a part of the optimal lineup than I would say no. Next up, we've got a bantamweight matchup between Sean O'Malley and Pedro Munoz. 9,300 for Sean O'Malley, 6,900 for Munoz. And, you know, when you look at the, the fight stats, there's there's several fight stats, Pete, that are going to stick out to you. A, the notable reach advantage that Sean O'Malley has in this fight of a 7-inch reach advantage in this one, 72 versus 65. We talked about it on the Odd Shower video. I mean, look, the speed advantage is on Sean O'Malley's side. Power advantage is on Pedro. Pedro Munoz side, the one, the, the stat that to me sticks out above all else on this one. And I don't know if this is the one that stuck out to you. It's the strikes absorbed per minute for Pedro Munoz, 6.09. And you're taking on a guy that lands over eight strikes a minute. Look, if I'm in the Pedro Munoz camp, it's utilizing leg kicks and get this fight to the ground and test the grappling abilities of Sean O'Malley. I like Sean O'Malley in this matchup, but there definitely is a path for Pedro Munoz. Yeah, there definitely is a path. So that's why, like, at 6,900, he's a dart throw that I'm getting to a little bit. And uh, just because of the durability of Sean O'Malley in regards to his leg injuries, right? Like, if you can chop at his legs, we've seen him have ankle issues in the past. It's just a matter of getting close enough and not getting knocked out in the process. I do think that the MMA experience for Pedro Munoz 
could work in his favor and being a part of a very, very strong camp, they could create a, a good game plan for Sean O'Malley. With all that being said, the length, the speed is big. The speed disadvantage that Pedro Munoz is going to be at is crazy because Sean O'Malley can hit you with crazy volume, 8.26 significant strikes landed per minute. It might be reminiscent to the Moutinho fight at times where Moutinho gets lit up on the feet, where Pedro Munoz gets lit up on the feet. But what Moutinho did well is closing the gap at times to turn it into a war. So consistent footwork from Sean O'Malley could lead to a very, very decisive victory. One where his point totals could actually balloon because Pedro Munoz's toughness of maybe he gets knocked down, maybe he gets hit with two, 300 strikes. Like that's not out of the realm of possibility here. I'm going to be getting, getting to Sean O'Malley, and I don't think it's a fade at all. Despite being priced at 9300 I think that he has more upside than, let's say, Israel Adesanya, because Adesanya is like, you know, heavier weight class and a little bit more methodical. So O'Malley, despite being in a three-round fight, I just viewed the bantamweight division and his style mixed with Pedro Munoz to be fireworks. So it's a lean towards uh, Sean O'Malley, uh, a pretty significant lean. But 6,900, Pedro Munoz, I'm telling you what, I'm not ignoring him. I'm getting to him. And the thing you have to say about Sean O'Malley is his camp has done a tremendous job of picking the correct fights. Yes. And once again, this is a correct fight that they pick for him. One of the things about Pedro Munoz that I don't like is he is flat-footed. Um, and, you know, he's you, you've seen against some of the older guys this division, not the, the performances that you would love to see uh, for him here. This is, to me, potentially a Sean O'Malley where he could sit there and throw it out there. And one of the things that Sean said, uh, yesterday, and I saw it on the ESPN Instagram, and it really stuck out to me. You really, you know, because he was talking about Adrian Yanez calling him out, and he said, he goes, look, he goes, people who are ranked below me are calling me out. People above me are not calling me out. And he said, I just find that interesting. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad, unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's pretty evident that O'Malley is one of the biggest stars in the UFC right now. And, uh, Unless the UFC is going to throw the bag at you, why take that risky fight? Um, especially when rankings are on the line, and you know, eventually the UFC is going to force your hand. But under, underdogs chopping at the bit, trying to to make a name off of a big superstar because they have seen O'Malley looks vulnerable at times. Chito Vera made him look human. Chito Vera mm -hmm. destroyed the leg, and then let's let's not you know discredit him at all. Landed some good elbows from the guard, and like O'Malley got finished in that spot. Obviously that he was hurt and it was largely due to his injury but that injury was because of chito vera and i always think about the andre sukumtop fight as well where he is notorious for just being so tall and long that i question his durability at times and that's also why 
I'm going to be getting to Pedro Munoz as a dart throw because of his good leg kicks. He has great leg kicks. Yeah, no question about it. Next up, we've got a match between Jalen Turner and Brad Riddell. 8,400 for Jalen Turner, 7,800 for Brad Riddell. And, of course, uh, when you think about Jalen Turner, you think about the, the size that he does have at the 155-pound division. He's got a six-inch reach advantage. This is a fight, Pete, that you would expect for it to play out on the feet because uh, Brad Riddell is the, the striking coach there at City Kickboxing. Um, you know, And both these guys, they throw a ton. Um, but the one thing, one concern I do have about Brad Riddell is if you're looking at him as an underdog play here, he tends to get off the slow starts. Yeah, it's going to be a crazy fight. I really like Jalen Turner, and I think that he has righted the ship um, and shown that he is a dangerous fighter for the division. He's massive and known for sparring with Luke Rockhold and Michael Bisping over the years in their careers, getting them ready for Anderson Silva. And like, he's so talented that we're starting to see, wow, he can butcher you on the feet and then take advantage of, of you on the mat as well. So like great, great performance against Jamie Malarkey, Uros Medich, great performance as well. Brock Weaver, questionable skill set, but still like we, we know that this is going to be a banger. So for me, this is a, a GPP priority just because I view, I like the, the value of Brad Riddell, truthfully. And um, I also like Jalen Turner sitting there at 8,400, given his finishing upside. I think Riddell can actually uh, put together a strong performance because in Turner's defeats, you know, in his regional career and even in the UFC in his debut, he has been knocked out, right? So Brad Riddell, of anybody, can test that chin of his and land some good combinations, training, city kickboxing. Like, he, he's surrounded by talent. And I'm going to be leaning towards Brad Riddell but let me tell you what, like, it's not an easy fight at all. I think Riddell's going to have to step up his game because if he goes out there and fights similar to how he has in the past, gets off to a slow start, he's going to get picked apart from range and Jalen Turner has enough power to hurt him. So I know Turner's going to be a very popular play this week at 8,400. I just view this as a very close fight that probably ends inside the distance or is one that even in a decision win, there's tons of actions and, and tons of scoring. So I'm going to be making a group, including Jalen Turner and Brad Riddell, but it's a lean towards the underdog for me. Next up, we got a welterweight match between Jim Miller and Donald Cerrone. 8,700 for Jim Miller, 7,500 for Cowboys Cerrone. This matchup is at 170 pounds. So that's something to kind of think about when you think about this matchup. Of course, uh, this is a rematch between these two guys here. And, uh, I mean, look, I think for both where both these guys are at, it, it's something to look at. And But this is a fight that, Pete, you talked about over on the Odd Shopper video. We're going to talk about on prize picks. This is a fight that is likely going to end within the first seven and a half minutes. Yeah, I really like this fight from an under one and a half standpoint. I, I truthfully do. I think that there's value. When I saw plus money on that, I was kind of shocked because we have Jim Miller as one of the best round one guys in the business throughout his career. And he was great in round one for a large amount of his career because of his consistent battle with Lyme disease, right? So um, he, he struggles as the fight goes later. And as the fight goes later, I could definitely see Donald Cowboy Cerrone having more success. Cowboy is my boy. I'm going to be rooting for him like crazy. But with all that being said, like you can't say that he looks career best at all. Um, he has not looked good. And of you know, in the year of 2022, if you were to sit there and say who has looked more fight ready and better given their age and where they're at in their career, 
I'd have to say that Jim Miller looks better right now in 2022, right? Like he's getting knockouts over young guys. Cowboy's been struggling. And this is a fight where I feel like there's going to be a ton of bias in the Jim Miller side. And I'm, I think that the price tag of Jim Miller makes a ton of sense. I'm going to be getting to it, but also like I'm going to be getting to Cowboy Cerrone as well, because I view Cowboy in such high regard. Um, and also it's just like, there's some familiarity right there, right? Like, they have fought in the past. And if there's anything that's going to give a fighter confidence is going in the cage against somebody that they've already beaten. And could that be overconfidence? Yes. But it also could lead to them kind of like finding their rhythm a little bit. And that's maybe what Cowboy needs is just to go in there with some less threatening matchups where it's not where Jim Miller's going up against prospects. Cowboy can go up against some guys that are kind of at the same level of him in 2022. So with all that being said, I'm creating a group, taking the bias out of it, and whoever I get to, I get to. But I do think that the odds, given how they are in their careers right now, I do think that the odds are correct in Jim Miller's favor. No doubt about it. Talking about Jim Miller, we're going to talk about uh, his prop over there at Prize Picks. Of course, Prize Picks is the sponsor of the show. And of course, they've got an instant first match deposit of up to $100 when you use that promo code AWESOMO. You got to take advantage of that. I've always already said, I've already made some plays over there at Prize Picks. And one of the Prize Picks props that I really do like this week is the under seven and a half fight time minutes. On Jim Miller, I, I would say this. You, you got to get on this prop right now because I don't think this number is going to get any better. It's probably going to get worse. It wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if it's a number gets down to six over there. So I really like that one, Pete. I know you like it there as well. The mm. other one that I do like is over on the significant strikes landed category of Robbie Lawler, 73 and a half. Um, you know, Brian Barbarina is a tough dude. He takes a lot of punishment. I just, I really feel good about that over on Robbie Lawler. Yeah. I, I like both of those picks. Um, whether Cowboy gets a quick finish or Jim Miller gets a quick finish. I just find that under one and a half to be a target spot for me. And uh, the Robbie Lawler and Brian Barbarina, I, they're, they're going to go to war and they're going to land a ton of shots and this could be knockdowns galore. But um, I, I think that the over is a safe play for Robbie Lawler. And of course, uh, I've already got some uh, props over there on the PFL as well. We, I wish Kayla Harrison was like at least five minutes, but um, I think Kayla Harrison should absolutely roll uh, tomorrow night in her fight. It was, I got her at four and a half. Uh, I also took the Larissa Pacheco under 10 minutes over there uh, as well as, uh, you know, one of the things about uh, this stage of the PFL, even though sometimes it hasn't really worked out for me in the last two weeks, uh, you know, some of these fighters know the guy go out there and get a stoppage. And of course, uh, by the time Kayla fights and she's the main event, she's going to know exactly if she needs to get a, a stoppage early on in that matchup. And of course, be sure to check out our friends over there at prize picks. Use that promo code awesome for instant first match deposit of up to $100. So if you uh, make a deposit of $100, they give you a free $100. So you got to take advantage of that over there at prize picks. Let's move over to the next match. We got Ian Gary taking on Gabe Green, 8,800 for Ian Gary, 7,400 for Gabe Green. And uh, Gabe Green, I mean, look, he, he shocked us all in his last one. Uh, got uh, corrective uh, surgery done on his eyes where he could actually see in the octagon. He talked about that uh, to the UFC announcers leading up to his last fight. I mean, look, you know, if Gabe Green was a guy that you think could could go the takedown route, I think I'd have a little more interest in Gabe Green, but that's just not his game. And it can be, right? Like, it, it definitely can be. It, it was against Phil Rowe, and I, I think that he has pretty solid jiu-jitsu, 
Um, it was evidenced against Phil Rowe, um, where he attempted one submission, got two takedowns, two knockdowns as well. I think that he's the more well-rounded of the two, but I don't trust Gary and I don't trust Gabe Green. And clearly that corrective vision did not help him when Johan Linus hit him with a bomb in round one and dropped him. Um, I thought that Johan was onto a massive, massive, uh, it was actually in round two, onto uh, a massive like performance. But guess what? He gassed and Gabe Green's durability. He came back and his, his heart was on display and he, he ended up getting a second round TKO, largely due to the, the cardio deficiencies of Johan Linus. But right now, man, I, I view this as a much more competitive fight than what the uh, DraftKings salary are saying and what the odds are reflecting. 8,800 for Gary. I guess if you want to add hype into the equation, that makes sense. But he has shown to be a little untrustworthy throughout his UFC tenure. Uh, round one against Jordan Williams, like it was not looking good, right? It was definitely not looking good until he landed that beautiful step back cross, that nice pull counter. Um, but Darian Weeks, it was a modest performance where he scored 61 fantasy points through 144 strikes, landed only 74, and Weeks looked to pin him against the cage and attempt takedowns. And I would like to think that Gabe Green can do the same exact thing, especially like it was evidenced in the Phil Rowe one because of the, the range and the length disadvantage that he was at in that. So he had to close the distance, hit him with some big shots, and pin him against the cage to kind of like make him a less dangerous fighter. I could see Gabe Green doing the same exact thing here. I truthfully can and debuting against Daniel Rodriguez, I was, I was very surprised at how durable he was at times. And, you know, it was a competitive fight where even in a three-round fight, he scored 51 fantasy points. So I have to say that I am interested at Gabe Green at 7,400. I don't trust him. I don't trust uh, Ian Gary. It's just a, it's a salary play for me. So I think the salary is a little wrong. So I'm, I'm going to be leaning and getting some value to Gabe Green. I do think that this is stylistically a matchup to attempt to make Ian Gary look good because I think they see the the potential that Ian Gary has. I think there's some there's some size on the defensive side of his game that do concern me a little bit. I mean, look, I don't mind getting the Gabe Green, but like the guys that I will tell you that I'm going to want to target against Ian Gary in the future are fighters that will go to the takedown route, make it a grappling type matchup. So we have that goes. Let's move over. Next up, it's our 8,200, 8,000 fight. That is Drakus Duplassis taking on Brad Tavares. Brad Tavares is the 8,200 fighter, 8,000 for Duplassis. Uh, I mean, look, death taxes and Brad Tavares going to decision. I mean, it, it's just, it, this is who Brad Tavares is. I mean, you're talking about only two stoppages uh, for him in, over the last decade in terms of what he's done. Um, this is, and I know Duplassis talked about that. You know, he feels like he's taking on a gatekeeper. He's not wrong here. Uh, what's your thoughts on it, uh, Pete? The death taxes and play the 8,200, 8,000 fight. And uh, <laughs> also, also don't trust JP buys instead have a little bit more exposure to Cody Durden because that did not necessarily work. I mean, when, when you have fighters that have some glaring weaknesses and JP buys definitely had a, uh, a chin weakness as evidence in every single one of his fights, you're going to look, you know, I, I should have given more credit to Durden in that situation. I thought the fight was going to be a wrestling fight and a scramble city where, JP Bay's, his wrestling and submission skills were going to be on display. That was not the case and never even got to that point. But with all that being said, Brad Tavares and Drake is Duplessis. I just, I like this fight. And clearly the upside from a finishing standpoint lies with Drake is Duplessis. 
So he's going to be one of the most popular underdogs on the slate, but it's a close fight, right? And Brad Tavares, yes, he has been knocked out several times. Uh, once it gets Edmund Shabazian, which can't really discredit him for that. That's like a, that was when Edmund was at, you know, on the top of his game, super confident in himself. Uh, Robert Whitaker, no shame in that. Tim Bosch, a little shame in that, even though Tim Bosch is just, he can come out hot out the gate and, and catch you when you're not expecting it. Um, I, I like this from a, an upside standpoint for Trikas Duplessis, but I wasn't sold on him like from a defensive standpoint because Trevin Giles was having some success and with some of his shots and, you know, good striking. And we did see Drikas shell up at times. And I thought to myself, well, if a guy with a more well-rounded striking skill set, like a Brad Tavares, I feel like he could get picked apart, especially because like, yeah, you know, Brad Tavares did get knocked out several times within his career, but he did go five rounds against Israel Adesanya. So let's, let's give him some credit in that situation. And perhaps this could be recency bias at its finest. Everybody's wanting to flock to the to the new finisher on the block of Drikas Duplessis. But Marcus Perez, definitely not on the same skill set as Brad Tavares. Trevin Giles, solid, but not on the same skill set as Brad Tavares. I actually think that Brad is pretty skilled, and I love watching him fight. So for me, personally, this is like a 55-45 fight for me. I'm going to get to a ton of it. But if nobody's getting to Brad Tavares at 8,200, I'm going to take some steps. So it's a lean towards the, the veteran in Brad Tavares. but. Like I said, don't care who I get to, and I just can't wait to sit back and enjoy the fight. Uh, by the way, Samuel, as of right now, that is the the correct fight order you see is the fight order. Of course, uh, things can obviously change after the weigh-ins, but I know when I was uh, putting everything together this morning, um, that is a fight order that's over um, at, at all the places I go to to find the correct fight order over there. Let's move on. Next up, we got a match between Uriah Hall and Andre Muniz. Andre Muniz, 9200. 7,000 for Uriah Hall. I was actually looking at that takedown prop for Andre Muniz over price picks at one and a half, which mm. to me, the question becomes is if he gets the ground, the fight to the ground once, can Uriah Hall get up? I mean, Uriah Hall was taken down four times by Sean Strickland in his last fight, which was almost a year ago at this point. I mean, look for Uriah Hall. Don't go to the ground, bro. Cause you go to the ground. You're going to be in trouble. Yeah, and I'm I'm really, really interested in this fight. And Jason, what I will ask you, and it's you know, it's always like what what equates a long shot or a dart throw or a guy that's you know down at the bottom, like what what justifies him to make it into that pool? And I, I would say that it's like they have to be able to score well if they were to pull off a victory. And that's where like Uriah Hall. He's going to make it into my long shot pool because if he wins, I would like to think it's because he does find the knockout. So like he can get that 90 to 100. And I am significantly favoring Andre Muniz. I don't think that this is a favorable matchup for Uriah Hall. Um, you have a very, very talented grappler and solid wrestler in Andre Muniz going up there against a striking specialist of Uriah Hall. So it's kind of like what comes first? Does Uriah Hall catch him? Before Muniz is able to grab a hold of him, does Muniz close the distance, take him down, and get a quick submission? Or what happens if Muniz attempts so many takedowns where he exhausts himself and gets knocked out as he has in the past? There has to be some exposure here to Uriah Hall. Um, just because of what we've seen from Muniz on the regional scene, if he is unable to get the takedowns. But from everything I've seen, and from the 9,000 options, and from how I foresee this fight going, I am favoring Andre Muniz pretty heavily at 9,200. He's one of my favorite plays on the slate. 
And uh, it's a sprinkle towards the underdog, as I said. But I think that Muniz's jiu-jitsu is just a nightmare for anybody within this division. And one of the fights that I've really looked at in terms of Uriah Hall is the Antonio Carlos Jr. matchup that he had. Uh, he did get a win in that matchup, but he was taken down three times by Antonio Carlos Jr. I mentioned about the fact Sean Strickland took him down four times uh, in his last matchup. The only other fighters uh, to take him to the ground, Christoph Jocko, Gegard Musasi, Robert Whitaker. Uh, you know, so, I mean, look, if you're Rye Hall, you just got to keep this fight on the feet. If you're Rye Hall, can keep this fight on the feet. I think it's an interesting play. Let's move next up to we got a female matchup. Macy Barber taking on Jessica I. Macy Barber, 9100, 7100 for Jessica I. I just don't know if I trust either one of them. Nope. Okay. <laughs> I just like the 9100 price tag on Macy Barber. Okay. She could potentially be a leverage play, but. Which- can she stop Jessica I at that price point? I don't think that I can trust either one of these fighters. And if I'm being honest, Jason, it's like a, if I had to fade a fight, I, I'm kind of okay getting away from this one. Um, just because of the price tag, Macy Barber is pretty hefty. And I know that Jessica I is on a significant losing streak right now. So everybody's thinking business as usual. You know, Macy Barber goes out there and she's going to pick up a win over a name and Jessica I and Jessica I is probably going to be gone from the promotion relatively shortly. You would like to imagine, um, but who knows? I will say that I wasn't all that impressed with Macy Barber in her last performance against Montana De La Rosa. And I do think that Montana De La Rosa can threaten anybody because of her strong grappling and solid uh, wrestling as well. But it's Macy Barber who like really likes to force her way into the clinch and has been looking for takedowns a little bit more so of late. And that has to be because of all the work at Team Alpha Male. In her two most recent fights, she went one of four against Montana De La Rosa in the takedown department and one of six against Miranda Maverick. So tenacious like, like attempts, but little success. And I do think that Jessica I is a step up in competition because she's a gamer and she can defend takedowns. She's pretty strong. I just don't necessarily trust the fight IQ of Macy Barber. And I also see that she's green at times where she will succumb to her opponents reversing her against the cage, or she will attempt something and get out scrambled. So I just see mistakes when I look at Macy and I know that she's young, but when you're talking about going up against a fighter, even on a losing streak like this three fight losing streak to Jennifer Maya, Joanne Calderwood, Cynthia Calvillo, that's like, Names galore. She's fought everybody. So with all that experience, Jessica, I could win a boring decision here. She really could and score 70 points. And it's completely slate dependent. But for the 9,000 options, I'm probably not paying my Macy Barber because she should win this fight. But I just don't think she stops Jessica. I, um, and I don't think that she takes her to take down city. So it's like, okay, where's her ceiling. It's going to be a close fight. It's in, in the flyweight division. If anything, I'm going to be getting to Jessica I a little bit just because of the value of possibly winning a close decision. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's tough to trust either one of these fires. Of course, uh, we do love to talk about the betting side of it. And right now is a great time to check out our best, best package. All you got to do is click the link below to subscribe as our team of experts here at all stochastic use our industry leading projections models to identify the best bets available out there each and every day. We are confident these bets will be worth more than the price of admission. So click the link below and start betting today. And if you want a free preview of our best bets, follow 
follow at Stochastic Best Bets on Twitter. Turn those notifications on as we'll be posting one free premium bet every day. You got to check out what we have over here at Stochastic.com. Say I appreciate you in the Super Chat. We'll get to your Super Chat after we break down this last one. It's another female matchup. We got Jessica Rose Clark taking on Storolinko. Storolinko 7,600. Jessica Rose Clark 8,600. Why, why are you shaking your head over there? Because, like, I can already tell that there's going to be people out there that just skip to the end of the videos to, to listen to the picks. And this fight is going to be wild. And this fight card is going to be wild. And some crazy stuff's going to happen. If you're playing DraftKings, you should be setting yourself up for different scenarios. And I can tell you what can happen. Jessica Rose Clark can get armbarred by Yulia Stoliarenko. She definitely can. She just got armbarred against Stephanie Egger. And despite being the better fighter um, against uh, Stoliarenko, like she's live to lose in the same exact manner. If Stoliarenko is good at anything, it's threatening her opposition with endless armbar attempts. She attempted so many against Alexis Davis, it was crazy. And a couple of them were extremely close. In every single fight of hers, if she's on her back, she's fishing for an armbar. The issue is she's comfortable off of her back. So it's a double-edged sword where it's like, okay, she's comfortable off of her back. She's losing minutes. She's losing rounds. She's getting controlled. Jessica Rose Clark has very good takedowns and good top control. On the feet should be the, the better striker of the two, even though I do think that the boxing between the two is a little similar. It's the Muay Thai skills of Jessica Rose Clark chopping at the legs of Julia Stoliarenko. That should be the difference maker here. Stoliarenko was knocked down against Alexis Davis from a leg kick. So I do think that, you know, being a teammate of Alexis Davis and, you know, cross-training at CSA at times, you know, I, I think that they could talk and, and figure out, okay, she was great here, work on that and make some adjustments. I'm picking Jessica Rose Clark, but I'm telling you what now, I'm telling you right now, I don't have any trust in her. And like, she got outscrambled against Stephanie Yeager, who's a great judoka and threatened with a, an arm bar almost like immediately off of the mat, like in a very, very good spot. She rolled for the arm bar and we saw Jessica Rose Clark. She's like, wow, she got me. That could happen against Dolly Ranko here. So be careful with this fight. I feel like it's got optimal implications. I'm picking the better fighter in my opinion in Jessica Rose Clark. But as we say every week, the better fighter doesn't always win. Jason, be careful. Yeah, of course. I uh, appreciate everyone checking out the strategy show. Be sure to smash that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell so you know when the show is live here on the channel. Of course, come up here in about two hours from now. We got MLB Deeper Dive as Josh and Adam will help get you ready for today's MLB slate. Of course, myself and Peely back on Saturday for live before a lot to get you ready for UFC 276. We'll be live for an hour answering any questions that you may have. Before we get into our uh, final super chat of the show, do want to give our straight up D, uh, straight up fight picks. These are non DFS related. Uh, in the, uh, I'm, I'm just going to group the main event, co main event together. I've got the, the champions both retaining their titles and Izzy and Volkanovsky. Okay. I'm going to go uh, Adesanya and Holloway. Uh, give me Sean Strickland, even though I'm a little worried about uh, you know him maybe having a stand up fight. I'm going to go Pereira. Uh, I will take Robbie Lawler. Robbie. Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley. Jalen Turner. Brad Riddell. Jim Miller. Yeah, I can't not pick Cowboy. Cowboy's my boy. I'm going to go Cowboy. I would go Ian Gary. I'm going to go Gabe Green. Okay. Uh, I will take Drikas Duplessis. I'm going to go Brad Tavares. 
I would go Mooney's. Mooney's. I would go Barber. Barber. And give me Clark. Clark. So, uh, and then, uh, so let's get in Samuel's, uh, super chat. First off his over under is six and a half on finishes saying over. I'm not even looking. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, he's good. He's, he's gotten better. I'd still saying over. Mm, mm. It's a good number. I'll go under. Okay. We got to get a uh, record. We got to get a record for, for Sam. We got to keep track. Yeah. Uh, top two GPPs, uh, underdogs uh, in cash. Uh, so let's talk GPPs. Top two GPPs for you, Pete. What do you got? Whew. Top two GPPs. I'm going to say Volkanovsky 1A, Holloway 1B. Like, I, okay. I just view both of them. The thing is, I, I, I look at fights in yeah. this question, too. And, like, I mean, I'm so sure Sam wants to give us a pick. I would look at, like, I'm looking at the Miller-Cerrone fight. That's that's a key one in terms of GPPs. Um, I, the Turner-Rodella, I think, is another one. O'Malley-Munoz. Like, I think those are three fights that you got to look at. Like, if I would sit there, I would probably say I would go, um, in terms of cash, I think it's a one A one B with Volkanovski and, and Holloway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say uh, I would like uh, O'Malley in terms of GPPs and what he could do, um, and then um, in terms of cash, my second one would probably be Mooney's. I really like Mooney's this week. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, favorite inside the distance, um, I, I look at at O'Malley, Turner. See, I'm not with you on the O'Malley one. Just from a, the, I could see it happening, but I, I just feel like Munoz is so damn tough. Um, I'm with you on the Turner and Brad Verdell one though, and just the Uriah Hall and Muniz one. I, I really feel like those fights are going to end inside the distance. In terms of top leverage play, I don't know if I want to get there, but it may be Basie Barber. Hell no. That's a no. I It's a leverage play. Like, it's a great leverage play, so technically that's the answer, but I am not doing it. Um, optimal. Uh, what's that? No, I don't know. Good. Uh, optimal and dark uh, dark plays. Uh, in terms of optimal, I think we've kind of laid out the fights that we believe are going to be optimal. In terms of dark plays, um, even though I like Sean O'Malley a lot, Pedro Munoz, I think, is, is a good dart play. Yeah, so I, I view Holloway as the best. Uh, then it's kind of like a tie between Uriah Hall and Munoz for that dart throw position. Of course, and we appreciate everyone tuning in for the strategy show. Myself and Pete will be back here on Saturday for Live Before Lock. Of course, uh, stay tuned here at Stochastic.com. Come up in two hours. You got MLB, uh, Deeper Dive, plus Live Before Lock. So keep it tuned here all day long. And we will talk to you on Saturday for Live Before Lock. Have a good day, everybody. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? 
you can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more.